Hey, Shepherd family, this is Pastor Scott Seidler. I bring to you grace, mercy, and peace from God our Father through our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. The text for today's sermon from Numbers chapter 21, verses 4 through 9. And as we come to this word, let's just consecrate it with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for grace today. Thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to study your word. But most especially, thank you, Lord, for reminding us that you are always the God of something. And that something is always good. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hey, let's have fun with words. There's a, a fun little poem that I heard years ago, and I was reminded of it as I got into Numbers chapter 21. I want to read it for you here, if I can, briefly. This is a story about four people named Everybody, Somebody, Anybody, and Nobody. There was an important job to be done, and everybody was sure somebody would do it. Anybody could have done it, but nobody did it. Somebody got angry about that because it was everybody's job. Everybody thought anybody could do it, but nobody realized that everybody wouldn't do it. It ended up that everybody blamed somebody when nobody did what anybody could have. Don't you just love that story? Uh, if you want, you should probably stop right now. Just rewind and read it again because that was a lot of anybody, somebody, everybody, nobodies. But it's just a fun story and it's actually true. Now, what I want to do today is I want to take that story and I want to change out the everybody, anybody, somebody, nobody, and I want to put in everything, something, anything, nothing. Because Numbers chapter 21, and really the story of the Old Testament runs around those four words of everything, something, anything, and nothing. Particularly, what I want you to remember is uh, this. God's Old Testament people were in the thick of everything, something, anything, nothing. Anything could happen. Something was happening. Everything was up in the air. And on their lips was one simple, sinful assertion. We have nothing. We have nothing. Listen in as I share with you from Numbers chapter 21, verses 4 through 9. Then the people of Israel set out from Mount Hor, taking the road of the Red Sea to go around the land of Eden. But the people grew impatient with the long journey, and they began to speak against God and Moses. Why have you brought us out of Egypt to die here in the wilderness? They complained, there is nothing to eat here and nothing to drink, and we hate this horrible manna. So the Lord sent poisonous snakes among the people, and many were bitten and died. Then the people came to Moses and cried out, We have sinned by speaking against the Lord and against you. Pray that the Lord will take away the snakes. So Moses prayed for the people. Then the Lord told him, Make a replica of a poisonous snake and attach it to a pole. All who are bitten will live if they simply look at it. So Moses made a snake out of bronze and attached it to a pole. Then anyone who was bitten by a snake could look at the bronze snake and they could be healed. You know, what I want you to simply see is the worst possible thing you can say to God. God, you are a God of nothing. We, your people, we got nothing. You've provided us nothing. You've deprived us of everything. We just want something, so give us anything. And yet the people persist and say, but 
you know what? You give us nothing. We got nothing. Let me just simply say as a pastor, one of the greatest sins, in fact, the greatest sin, is to be able to say to God, who is the giver of all good things, you've given us nothing. You've taken away everything. I mean, if you just think in the larger reading of Scripture, if you think about what it means to have a God who creates us and redeems us and preserves us and provides for us, when you come up to God, the holy, the awesome, the all-powerful God of heaven and earth, and you put to his name the single word, nothing, you understand immediately, right, what an amazingly arrogant, incredible tough-hearted sin that actually is. When I read through Numbers chapter 21, and I've read, as a Christian, I've read Numbers chapter 21 dozens of times in my Christian life because of that last um, uh, allusion to the work of Christ, Moses holding up a snake on the stick and people looking at it and they are forgiven of their sins and offered life. They're, they're not going to die after being bitten by poisonous snakes. Um, that allusion to Christ who himself is lifted up on a cross essentially becomes the serpentine curse of Satan from Genesis chapter 1. That's a lot of theology. I understand that. But, you know, we often read Numbers chapter 21 for, for those two historical pictures that are being offered. I just want to underscore for you that my takeaway this time is, wow, how in the world do you get the gall to say of God, you're giving me nothing here, God. I got nothing. If I'm honest, though, if I reflect on it, there can be many points in our everyday life where we will say to God, you cannot, you will not, you would not, you could not, you not God. And that is a very big deal for any human being, generally speaking, but especially for Christians who have come to know the provision of God through Jesus Christ, for Christians to come to God and doubt his provision, his ability to do something, if he wants everything, or at least just anything, to doubt that is to sin gravely. We want to confess that today, and we want to move, we want to move past that today. You know, I think of a story um, in the New Testament, and it's the story of a man who had leprosy. You can look at a picture of it here on the screen. But this man came, and, and he presented himself to God. And, and this was the man who essentially represents anything. God, if you want to do anything, Jesus, if you want to do something, if you are willing, you can do it. You are a God of the possible. But everybody else that was standing around, the religious leaders, the teachers of the law, maybe even the followers, the disciples of Jesus, even though it was early on, there are a whole bunch of onlookers. There is a peanut gallery that is clearly nuts. And they look at this scene and they say, not, 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 not. God cannot do that. He will not do that. He would not do that. He could not do that. They say that the only thing that's available for Jesus to do in response to the sinful, sick, slimy, stinky leper is nothing. That's the responsible thing for God to do. 
It's a little different than the scene that was coming to light there in Numbers chapter 21, a little different circumstance, but it's the same principle. This idea that our God is a God of nothing. He can't, he won't, he hasn't, he wouldn't, he couldn't. Jesus says there in the Gospels, he says to that leper who kneels before him the most amazing thing, he says, hey, 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 I'm willing. I may not do everything, but I can do anything. And I promise you this, I will do something. And that something that he will do is always good. In this season of Lent, one of the storms that we frequently come up against is the storm of God's possibilities or the storm that says it is impossible for God to do this. And we are buffeted by it. We are torrentially downpoured through it. We, we succumb to it. And, and sometimes we just droop our shoulders, walk away and say, I guess God's not acting in my life. I guess he's not faithful. I guess he's not here. And, and, and what more can I do? What more could I hope for? The God who allowed his son to be lifted up on the cross, who said, really, in this whole world, there is nothing that we human beings can do to repair the rift in the relationship between us and God. God who said, there's nothing you can do, stood up in that single same breath and said, but there's something I can do. I'm going to pour out everything from heaven's treasured storehouse. I'm going to do something that is going to blow your mind. And for which that will cause you at the end to wonder, is there anything that God cannot do? Answer, no, there's not. Because ours is a God of promise. He's a God of patience. He's a God of love. He's a God that will send snakes among his people and then he will provide a way of salvation so that his people will never, ever say again, you are a God of nothing. We've got nothing in spite of you. My brothers and sisters, I need you, if you're going to take away from this reading in Numbers 21 with me what I've taken away, I need you to take a step back and take a good look at all the parts of your life. Some of which, by the way, you'll see great acceleration. You'll see parts of your life where you will say, oh man, I trust God there. God can do miracles there. He has done miracles there. I see this, this, and this. And it is nothing but green lights and an affirmation of who God is and what he is capable of doing. But if you're like me, which everyone, by the way, is by nature, all of us are sinful We have sinned against God in thought, word, and deed. We continue to do so even as his children. If you're like me, there are parts of your life where you will have to say, there is something lacking there. And what is deficient is my faith that God can do something where up to this point I continually have said, he's done nothing, he can do nothing, he will not, cannot, could not, would not, has not. 
that has to stop. Or to put it differently, that kind of inclination in me has to be brought to nothing. So that my God can be everything. Your God, as scripture says, can be your all and all. As the disciples would say, nothing is impossible with God. Why? Because Jesus told them that was the case. With man, there is a great deal of impossibility. With God, especially through his son, Jesus Christ, who is lifted up above the world to bear the sin and the weight of sin on his shoulders, everything is possible. And that's where we put our faith today. And that's how we weather the storms that beat against our spiritual homes, our souls. And how we walk patiently to the cross, beyond the cross to the calm that comes at the end of these storms. And now may the peace of God, which passes all understanding, may it guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus, both now and forever. Amen.